I'm going to try my very best this morning not to be caught up in the book of Revelation, because it is Sunday, not Thursday. Um, but I do feel with every part of my being that uh, uh, there is something about the finished work of Jesus and what He did on the cross that the church has put off, um, and uh, a lot of it's because of misinterpretation in the book of Revelation, and we're kind of waiting for a lot of stuff to happen or, or, or think we're going to see certain stuff happen when Jesus already done it on the cross. Amen. So I hope this morning I can bring some of that through. When I woke up this morning, I just had a scripture on my heart, so I wanted to quickly launch with that um, and then hopefully get into what I was going to say. Let me just encourage you that um, I'm not gifted to speak uh, very fast. So, um, since Connor is away in Turkey, I get to speak for a couple of weeks in a row. So I'm going to slow this whole thing down, otherwise I'll just, I won't do it justice. So I'm going to unravel a couple of things each week. Um, so if you can't make them, just go and find them on our website and then let the Lord speak uh, through them. But I do believe they're key as well, and they tie up to the book of Revelation. Um, as we come to the end of it, actually, um, I believe it all pulls itself together. So if you just quickly go to, if you've got your Bibles, which is always a good thing to have, um, since it is a sword and we are in a battle, and um, the Scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Just in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 22, For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. No human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I just, I felt the Lord this morning just encouraging me, strengthening me, but also just felt this word for every single one of us, that um, in this time too, um, uh, we, we can be a group of people that are looking for a sign, um, desperate for a sign, we pray uh, our prayers and say, Lord, you know, answer or, or give me a sign, do something. Um, and uh, it says the Jews, they look for a sign, uh, which is a representative of the religious uh, community. And the religious community are always wanting God to move and to show them something, uh, to prove. Uh, and then we've got the Gentiles, uh, and uh, they're always looking for wisdom. They're looking for philosophies, so we want to work it all out academically in our heads and, and get the formula and put it all and, and, and justify why this and this and how it works. 
And, and God says that, that that's why it's a stumbling block to the Jews. Um, it's folly to the Gentiles. Because what we are about is faith in Jesus Christ, which is not connected at all to signs and wonders, and it's not connected at all to philosophy and fancy educated thinking. It's a belief and a trust in who He is. Jesus said, you have believed in God, now believe in me. And when He goes on here, He goes on to say that Jesus has become wisdom. From, he has become our wisdom. He has become our righteousness. He has become our sanctification. It's covering the bases here. And He has become our redemption. Everything is found in Christ. We are not, this is folly to those out there. It's folly to others, this understanding that we are, we are not to put any confidence or any trust in ourselves, but it's totally in Jesus Christ, totally in the finished work of the cross. Amen. So as I come this morning and, 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 and just share some of these thoughts, um, there is just an overwhelming sense in my heart of that when, 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 when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, uh, you know, tetelesta, when he, when he, when he, or in the Aramaic, uh, kalah, and he said, bride, it is finished so that he can be one with his bride to, to commune and to, to achieve and to accomplish all that he wanted to in unity with himself on the earth. Amen. Not waiting for that day, not looking ahead. By the way, um, if you go, you can go to an English dictionary and have a look if you want to. Um, what are they? Oxford, uh, Miriam, Webster, whatever the names of the dictionaries are. You can go have a look there. And the word bride, if you go and look at the word bride, it means newly wed. When you get born again, you get married to Christ, you are his wife, you are his bride, newly wed. You are not waiting, you are. You can live now in the reality of the wife of God, but let me, let me. So my, my heart has just been stirring in, 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 in trying to get an understanding, and uh, I think it's in Mark 7, verse 13. Uh, interesting there, Jesus says that um, the traditional, you, you, you teach the, the traditions of man, which makes the Word of God null and void. And, uh, and it's these traditions of man that are being taught and these things that are being taught that are, that are nullifying the power of the Word of God. And it's why we are not walking in and moving in exactly what Christ paid for. And then we are not those people that are trying to work it out philosophy-wise or education-wise, work it out in our heads. As I've said before too, an analytical mind is from the pit of hell. was never, ever, ever came from God. You're never meant to analyze. Adam and Eve didn't know what an analytical mind was. They didn't have to sit there and say, okay, let me think about that, Lord. Uh, they were operating from their spirits, which had dominion over their, their uh, souls and over their bodies. And, uh, and they, were, um, they were one with the Spirit of God, uh, with the life of God. And they were releasing, as I was just sharing this morning, they were releasing the life wherever they went. And uh, what the enemy has tried to do over years is make us believe that God is not that good. That he's not taken the whole responsibility and done this thing all by himself. Um, that there is some part that we've got to play. 
And I love scriptures like Luke 18, verse 19. It's when the, the, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus to ask him how he can, be, uh, he can receive eternal life. And he starts off and he says, good teacher. And, uh, and Jesus says to him, nobody's good except God. And uh, nowadays, when you look in the church and you look at some of the teaching, the understanding, I think they lost that scripture somewhere. There is nobody good church other than God. God is good. Everybody else is on another plane, another level. He is good. Amen. Even in James chapter 1, I think it's verse 17, where he talks about every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or turning. Every good, everything good comes from God. He is a God who wants for us to live in His goodness, to live in who He is. Uh, if you, um, before I just go to where I want to go, just very quickly, if you, if you had to unpack the revelation of, of the goodness of God uh, on the journey with man through the Bible, you would see that there was this um, uh, pagan worshiper who was worshiping the sun and the moon, and, uh, and he was out there uh, in the desert. He was, he, was, he was not thinking or knowing anything about who God was or anything like that. And God came and speaks to, to Abraham. And he says to Abraham, In blessing I will bless you. In multiplication I will multiply you. He says, I'll bless you and make your name great. And you, you, you will be a blessing to the nations, etc., etc. In all of that declaration, let me just say this. In all of that declaration, was there anything that he asked them to do or Abraham to do? In that whole declaration, all it was was it's our will. There was just a statement, a declaration of God saying, I will, I will, I will do this for you. I will do that for you. And Abraham believed him. And it was counted to him as righteousness. There is a... the, the and. The beautiful thing in the Bible is the blessings of Abraham now are bestowed on the church, right? Some blank faces. I'll just, let me quickly go to Galatians. I'll just read you a bit of Galatians. That might help quickly. So Galatians chapter 3, if I went to Galatians chapter 3, this is reading from verse 16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. So Abraham's offspring, the promises uh, of, that were made to Abraham were to his offspring, which is Christ. Uh, jump maybe very quickly to verse 29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, Heirs according to the promise. So the people, so Abraham, God promised Abraham, he believed God, God blessed Abraham. You, you can read in other places, you'll see how God fulfilled his promises to Abraham. The promises then carried through the offspring, um, which is us, the, through Christ, the seed of Christ, and we now become the heirs of God. And so you ask yourself the question why is the blessing, why is this not flowing, why is it not carrying through to the people of God? The reason why it doesn't carry through the people of God is because they've allowed other things to creep in, other, other voices to speak, instead of just simply trusting and believing in the voice of God and believing in Jesus Christ. So what happens is, as a simple example, we, we, we believe the, the stupidity of stuff that comes, uh, that's spoken in, in the church about curses and stuff like that, when in the same chapter, let me just quickly go in the same chapter, 
from verse... Verse 12, but the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Love this. Love this. So even from the cursing point of view, God's taking care of it. He's cursed as he who hung on the tree. If you want to even know when Abraham, when God blessed Abraham, he said to Abraham he would bless him, and he said, those that curse you, I will curse them. So as the people of God, we are free from any curses, right? But still, we allow these voices to speak into, um, into our head that we... Uh, there's something obviously that where we, we've got to do something or where there's some adjustment that's always needed before the throne of God so that we can, we can achieve or get what He's called us to do when actually God has done everything and He's saying all you need to do, just like Abraham, to receive this is just believe me. Believe that I'm that good. Believe that I am your wisdom. Believe that I am your righteousness. Believe that I am your sanctification. Believe that I am your redemption. You have a redemption, a redeemed ticket for every single thing. In Christ Jesus. Amen. It's a, it's, it's a done deal. By Jesus' stripes, we were healed. It's a, it's, it's, it's a done deal. I have the redemption ticket for that, right? When it comes to uh, things like healing, the, 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 the challenge for every single one of us is to become like Jews, which is, uh, I need a sign, Lord. Or we want to be the, the Greeks or the, or, the, or the Gentiles, which is, Let's work it all out in our heads. Um, almost um, as a faith that becomes a method instead of actually a lifestyle. Let's, let's have a trial. Let's have a shot. Let's, let's, let's put faith as a, an appointed moment. And if it doesn't work, well, maybe you take a second shot at it. And if it doesn't work, maybe we take a third shot and then three strikes and you're out. Is this, too, is this too strong? Is it good? Because he's so good. I wonder represents him well. So we don't seem to be able to walk in all of this, and it's because we... Maybe I'll, I'll use another illustration... Um, in Matthew 14, uh, Jesus sends the, the disciples on ahead. He disperses the crowd and he goes up to pray. And uh, they're out there <laughs> doing their best to, to counter the storm that was going on. And um, it says in, the, I think, the fourth watch, which is like between 3, 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. So um, give them a bit of slack when Jesus comes walking on the water um, that they uh, kind of go, a ghost. Um, I think if you were on the boat, you probably might have <laughs> also been a bit scared. Anyway, um, I love Peter. That's just, that's, that's the right answer. It's, uh, it's like, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. And then he steps out and he walks and he says, and the Bible says, and he came to Jesus. 
And then he saw the wind and the waves, and and then he started to sink. And God and Jesus grabs him and and takes him back to the boat. And then he says, "Oh, oh ye of little faith, why did you doubt?" See, his little faith got him out on the water. His doubting caused the sinking. What are you thinking? You are thinking because this is what you are thinking. <laughs> Too much thinking. Need to be more walking. So you see the reality, the reality of the gospel there is, 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 is uh, we could just take scriptures in, in, in Hebrews 12 too, and it says, looking unto Jesus. So he doesn't want us to be distracted, looking unto him. He wants us to be looking at him. And then in, in James 1, I think it's around about verse 6, where it says, we must ask in faith. Without doubting, right? Because we're like waves tossed to and fro by the wind. We're unstable. We're like an unstable man. We're unstable in all our ways. Never let us think we receive anything from the Lord, right? James chapter 1, read it, verse 6, 7, and 8. I'm not quoting it exactly, but this... God's wanting us to get rid of this doubt in our, in our, in our lives, in our hearts. Doubt that He is good. Doubt, doubt that He's done this thing. Doubt that He's got it for us. That, that we, He has opened a way that it's finished, that we can now come before Him into His presence 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Amen. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll launch from there. This is probably you know, right up there, one of my top five scriptures in the Bible, I think. But in Hebrews um, chapter 4, just reading from verse 14, let's read this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near. Let us then with confidence or boldness draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, I have to uh, maybe just go back a little bit. And let me just say this, that in um, Exodus uh, 25, God speaking to Moses. Remember I shared... Uh, for those that were on Thursday, that um, God's desire is to, is to dwell with His people. He wants us to live in His presence. That's has been His desire all along. And, um, and then man makes some decisions that are not so clever. And, uh, and he's, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's really not behaving that well. And, uh, and when Moses is going, goes before him, um, we, 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 there's such a beautiful scripture there where, where God says, okay, we, we, you know, this is where we're going to go. And Moses says, um, if your presence doesn't go with us, we ain't going anywhere. That shows me a man after the right heart, or that he was, he's after the presence of the Lord. And then God says to him, okay, now this is what I want you to build. And he begins to show him what he must build, and he explains the whole temple so that God can come and dwell in amongst the people or with the people on their journey um, because God wants to dwell with us, right? And so he makes this amazing design, and we see the design, and there's an outer court 
If I had a little drawing here, there's a sort of an outer court, and then there's an inner court, which is divided to two parts. Um, there's the, the holy place and the holy of holies. So there's this, these holy places, the two in there, and then there's the outer one. And in the two, there's the um, holy place uh, where the priests, could, they went in there to minister. And then there's the holy of holies, and in there, only the high priest went in once a year, in there. And what he did once a year is that he went in and he sprinkled blood uh, on the mercy seat um, and took care of, of, of business for another year for the people of God, right? hope I'm not going too fast here. But one of the things in the Holy of Holies, in the Most High, in the presence of the Lord, one of those, those items in there was the ark, right? Well, it was the item. Was in was the ark. The ark was an amazing thing. Inside of the ark was the, was the tablets of, of, of stone, which is, was the law, and inside of the ark was the... Um, Aaron's rod that budded, the the bod that rudded, the 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 the, the, the rod, and the and the cup, uh, which is so beautiful. There's so much I could talk into that, but anyway, that's not what I'm trying to share. What I'm trying to share is that, and then above that, so above all of that, there are these two cherubims with their their, their wings touching each other, um, like this, and then um. Underneath that, so above everything, and then the two cherubims either side, is what? The mercy seat. Please, church, just ask yourself why it's called the mercy seat. If he isn't good. And then he says to Moses, Exodus 25, verse 22, he says to Moses, In that place is where I'll come and meet with you and speak with you. Uh, on the mercy seat, under the wings. Ooh. Does that remind you of a song? We quote it. Put it on our fridges, Psalm 91. It's written by Moses, by the way. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. His wings are so beautiful. Uh, why is it a secret place? Because it was behind the veil. Right? Anyway. So, so that was the picture of, of, the, of, the, of the temple and of the place where God would come and meet. Right? And the design by its very nature is its mercy. Then we, we get this beautiful passage, which it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus. And it says now we must um, come boldly. There's a reason why we can come boldly and draw near to what? The throne of what, church? The throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. We must understand, where would you want to run with all your failings, faults, all your challenges, where would you want to run? I'd run, want to run to the place of mercy. I'd want to run to the place of grace. It's a throne of grace. You go to a throne of grace, right? That we may receive mercy. So when we run to this throne, what, what do we receive? 
not temporary, not maybe, not it's dependent on, on just what you're coming for or what kind of, you just run to that place. See, we're so used to in the book of Revelation about this scrooky throne. Because they've got this scrooky throny mentality because it's such a scary, crazy picture book. That there's this throne, there's a lot of judgment and fire and action, and God's going, ah. Uh, where actual fact, it says, what is this throne that you come to that's a throne of grace? Sounds much better to me. Sounds like that's where God is trying to give us the picture of who he is. It's a throne of grace where we receive mercy, automatic, receive mercy. And then it says, and find grace to help in our time of need. So we find the grace, right? Same um, scripture, but you can jump across. I wonder if I should just read it now. Um, in Hebrews 10, maybe I should just quickly read Hebrews 10. I hope I can pull this together quickly. Lord, help me. Um, this may be reading um, Hebrews 10. Uh, you will see it says, uh, verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence... To enter, now listen to this, enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Such a powerful, powerful picture. So let me, let me try and quickly explain that there is a reason why we can come boldly. There's a reason why we can come uh, uh, without doubting. There's a reason why we can come and run to the throne uh, of, of grace. It's a throne of grace where we can receive mercy and get grace in our time of need. And the reason is simply this, is that God created uh, that... Um, temple uh, so that he could dwell amongst his people, right? But then the Bible begins to explain to us that there was always a journey that he was on that that was needed to change because actually what he wants to do is dwell in the temple. Not the temple made with man's hands, which the Bible says God does not dwell in temples made with man's hands. So the high priest had to go once a year and uh, he had to be, do all the rituals and all what have you. No one was allowed to touch him because if they touched him, he was um, unclean. And he would go in there and he would have to do his duty in there so that they could, God could talk to them and they could be covered, their sins could be covered for the year, right? Now the Bible starts to let us in that there is actually uh, something that happened that if we don't understand, we won't realize why we come boldly now, is because Christ became our high priest, right? I can see I'm going to have to do this by Scripture. Okay. <laughs> so, so if you just jump, just you're there in Hebrews. Just jump with me in Hebrews. Um, Hebrews, just reading from verse uh, 6, let's say. Uh, Hebrews, uh, got the chapter? No, 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 no. Hebrews 9. 
Ach, sie ist ein Spiritual. Nein, sie ist nicht. Hebrews chapter 9. Okay, verse 6. These preparations, having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties, but into the second only the high priest goes, and he, and he, but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing. Hmm. which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot uh, perfect the conscience of the worshiper. Talk about doubt. But deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of Reformation. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, Hebrews 4 tells us, since then we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens. So now it's telling us that through the greater and more perfect tent, which is the temple that was in heaven, Right? Uh, where am I? Somewhere. Lord, where am I? The greater, more perfect, uh, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. He entered once for all into the holy place, not by means of the blood of goats and of calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing the eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Amen. And jumping, carrying on through, I'll just quickly, for the sake of time, I'll jump to verse, uh, chapter 10, for, verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they would not have ceased to be offered since the worshiper, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. See, if this actually worked then there would be, the worshippers would have no consciousness of sin. If only we could get this to work. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every single year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And if you just jump a little bit, we'll go. Every priest stands daily at his service, this is verse 11, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified 
And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us after saying this. This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I'll put my law on their hearts. I'll write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter where? The holy places by the blood of Jesus. If you just want some other very exciting news as well, if you went to chapter 8 and you just read from verse 12, this will blow your socks off, but um, we'll unpack it another time. Uh, uh, Chapter 8, Hebrews 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities. Oh no, I thought God was going to be merciful towards me. My Bible says, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities or towards their sins. And I will remember their sins no more. He has gone completely memory loss when it comes to our sins because of the blood of Jesus. See, this freaks some people out. I can see it already. And then it goes on in verse 13. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. He set something in place, but now that's old and it's vanishing away and becoming obsolete because something new has just taken place and happened. What's the something new that has just taken place and happened? Christ has gone up into heaven, into the holy of holies and sprinkled the blood and the veil of the temple on earth was torn because the veil in heaven, which is his flesh, is now flesh is torn so that we now can come directly into the holy of holies before his presence and we can come now boldly. Should I spit some more? Is that, is that good enough? I don't know. There's, there is so... Let me, let, me, I'll, let me give you one more scripture just because I, I, I can and it's fun. Um, in Hebrews 6, just flick back a couple of... In Hebrews chapter 6, you can read it there. Um, from verse... Um, I would say 19 without my glasses on. Um, and actually, what if you if I had the time? Oh, If I if you would, you read there, uh, for when God made a promise to Abraham in verse uh, thirteen, since he had no one greater by whom uh, to swear, he swore by himself. So this is again the promises of Abraham, and he makes an oath about the promises of Abraham. And then if you read uh, down to verse nineteen, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of us of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. We have this as a sure. It's an anchor to our souls. Because the place is now open. I've gone beyond the veil into the presence of the Lord. And I can come there with boldness. Listen to verse 20. Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a half priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus was a forerunner. Oh, what's the time? 
We'll just quickly go back to, let me see if I can do it. Um, can I do it? Let me see. Uh, okay, just quickly go to John chapter 13. Let me see if I can unpack it. Don't speak too fast. Okay. Quickly. John 13. John 13, Jesus. I love speaking to his disciples. How many know that there's in this discourse, um, he's right at the, uh, having the last supper before he's going to the cross. All this whole 12 to 16, 17 is, 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 is this discourse that he's, he's, and he's sharing with the, the disciples, and just go jump quickly to uh, verse, uh, oh, it's all good, but I wish, uh, I can't really dwell on this too much this morning, but in verse 31, Jesus, when he had gone out, Jesus said, who's just gone out? Judas. Um, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glory. Uh, glorify him in himself. Why is God glorified? In Mo- um, Judas has just gone out because they've, there's a unity that's just been restored, um, which I could unpack for you. Uh, now is the Son of Man glorified. They, there's, there's now because he wasn't on the page, right? But anyway, that's let me not get sidetracked. God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him. At once. Then this is what I really want to get to. Verse 33. Um, little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There is a purpose and a plan here that Jesus has got, and he's going to the cross, and the whole purpose and the plan is love. And yes, we know this is a commandment given, but he says it's a new commandment, but because there's a whole new thing that's about to happen, uh, so that you can actually become love. Um, Anyway, uh, Simon Peter, carrying on. Simon Peter said to him, now that's classic Peter again. He just said to him, listen, uh, in a little while... Um, I, I, I'm with you, but I'm going to go away, and then where I'm going to go, you can't come with me. And uh, but you know what I want from you guys is to love. You you must love one another. And Peter goes, whoa, whoa, just let's just put the love thing one side. Yeah, uh, where are you going? Right. So he says, Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why? Can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answers, will you lay down your life for me? Um, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till uh, you have denied me three times. Uh, remembering there's no chapters in the Bible. Um, this is just written sh- straight on. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas then says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. 
How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So this is a very interesting one because this is the traditions of men that's been taught, and it's messed up the understanding. Uh, and again, it's also because we're looking through the human eyes as they did in those days as well. One of the greatest things that Jesus came under attack uh, when, they, when this, the accusation of the high priest and of the whole Sanhedrin was when Jesus said, um, destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days, right? Because they couldn't get around the physical sight of what he was, when actually we know what he was talking about. He was talking about this temple. But um, now what we do is we get these teachings that go, okay, but Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms, or some uh, translations will say mansions. Um, in my Father's house are many mansions, and, uh, and if it were not so, I would have told you, I was going to prepare a place for you. So now we all think that Jesus has gone to heaven, and uh, he's got the crew all together, the contracting uh, crew together, and he's busy preparing us all lacquer homes. Because actually, we're all going to go to this nice big place and city that streets are actually of gold, um, and there's beautiful homes, and we have everything that opens and closes and shuts and, uh, and Wi-Fi and all those kind of things. And um, depending on how you behave and what you do on this earth, whatever is where you get the small one at the end of the street or where you get the one closer to Jesus, right? No. So it's in my father's house are many rooms. Actually, uh, that word rooms is actually uh, dwelling places in the Greek. It means dwelling places. In my father's house are many dwelling places. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. What, what, what does he mean by that? Um, if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. So he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am you can also be. Right? Oh, help me, Jesus. Okay. Uh, John 16, uh, verse 16. says the same thing, a little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while and you will see me. A little while, you will see me no longer. And a little while, you will see me. Right? So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us, a little while and you will not see me, and again, a little while and you will see me, and because I'm going to the, because I'm going to the Father. So they, they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so I love that. So he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves? What, what I mean, meant by saying, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me. Truly, uh, truly I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. So there's a beautiful picture as well. Jesus is also talking about that he uses a birth. There's actually a new birth happening. There's going to be a birthing here of something new. Right? So then he goes to the cross, and he goes to the cross, and he dies um, and he's put into the tomb, and the disciples go off, and they lock themselves in the room, and the Bible says, and they are sorrowful. There's sorrow there because they've just lost Jesus, and then Mary 
she, um, John 20, Mary comes running the next morning. She runs to the tomb, um, and as she gets to the tomb, um, I think she just wants to, to uh, uh, just be sorrowful as well and just maybe mourn at the tomb. And when she gets to the tomb, the stone has been rolled away, right? How many know, just by the way, this is just a very quick drop-in. How many know that the stone was not rolled away so that Jesus could get out? The stone was rolled away so that they could look in. So then she's there, and then she hears a noise, whatever, and she turns, she thinks it's the gardener, and she says, where have you laid, Ma? So she wasn't looking for an alive Jesus. She was looking for a dead, dead Jesus, but where have you laid, laid the body? And then Jesus says, Mary. And she goes, she responds, Rabona. I mean, imagine hearing that voice. And her response, but biblically says she wants to run and dive on him, like uh, all of us would want to do. And he says, Mary, don't touch me, for I have not been to the Father yet. Don't touch me. Because I have not been to the Father yet. What does a high priest do? If you touch the high priest, he's unclean, and he cannot go into the Holy of Holies. Mary, don't touch me. I've still got to go. Go and tell the disciples, I'm going to my Father and your Father. So a little while later, they're in the room all locked up, and they're in their room all locked up and whatever, sorrowful and sad, whatever, and ta-da! Jesus appears in the room. Ho! And they're like, wah! And he goes, peace be with you guys. Hey, it's me. Come, see, feel, touch. Suddenly now, woohoo! Reminds me so much of also when you go and you're you studying, we don't have time, I'll just quickly throw this out for you. When Jesus is doing the Last Supper and uh, he's breaking the bread and, 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 and sharing and explaining, and he says, I won't do this again until this is fulfilled in the kingdom. I will not do this again until this is fulfilled in the kingdom. What is this is fulfilled? Passover. And then in, 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 in Luke 24, and the disciples on their way to Emmaus, and Jesus pops along next to them. Hey, how's the guys? What's happening? Whatever. What are you, Dorf? You don't know what's going on. I mean, all this stuff, whatever. And yeah, well, shame. What's happening? And they begin to explain to him. And then he goes, hey, you guys, you just don't understand. What does he do? He then goes back to Moses and begins to explain. And then he begins to explain and unravel everything. And they're like, wow. And then their hearts burn within them because, well, oh, this is just like powerful. The, the whole gospel is now being understood. And then the, he's going to go off and they go, no, no, it's, it's late. Why don't you come be with us? And he says, okay. He turns in and they go sit down, whatever, and that. And guess what they do? They break bread. You will not do this again until this has been fulfilled. I go to my Father to prepare a place for you so that you could be with me. What happens when we get born again? When we get born again, we, see, we are seated. Where is Christ right now? Seated in, in, in God, in heavenly places. When we get born again, where do we go? Seated in Christ, in heavenly places, so that you can come to me. So where I am, you can be also. Now! 
<laughs> not future now. Because I'm not interested in a whole bunch of houses that have got double floors and, and built-in heating and what have you. <laughs> well, you can see now. <laughs> I won't, don't go there. Um, because I have broken open the way into the presence of the Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you don't have to come in with a sacrifice. You don't have to come in to, and have done something or this, that, and the other because you're not coming in because of what you have done. You're coming in because of what Jesus has done. And he's saying now it's broken open to the holy place. My flesh was the veil. It's split. The veil has been split. There's no longer the old uh, uh, temple. Why people want to go back to the temple? For goodness sake, man. It's just absolutely crazy when we are the temple of God and that we have access and God wants to come and dwell with us and Jesus has made this place within our hearts, within our lives, where we are seated in heavenly places with Him. We can come. That's why we now can come boldly. And we come boldly because of Christ, because He's broken open the way. And now not only do we come boldly, but we know that where we're going, we're going to get grace. From this place of authority, the throne of God, which is a whole nother story about the throne of God. But we don't have time. Moving on. Um, but the throne of God, friends, is, is we come and we stand in that place underneath the wings. Ooh, it's the places of heaven. There's the angels. Ah, oh, the book of Revelation, the angels, what happens? Their wings touch each other. It's a throne of grace and you receive mercy. In that place, friends, where we can have boldness, we come so that we, we don't waver in our, in our convictions, in our, in, our, in, our, in our confessions, where we can be a people that stand strong, with, not doubting. And I, I, I've landed, so I won't go into this, but let me just say this. Oh, There's a carrot. It'll, it'll, it'll just, I'll dangle a carrot. Let me just dangle a carrot. Let me just say this. I'll say, the Bible says where we come in, 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 um, in, in Hebrews 10. If you go, uh, Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10. Oh, man, I love the word. It's so full of nourishment. It's, it's, it says, um, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Oh, sorry, verse uh, 22. <laughs> We've been sprinkled clean <laughs> from, a, from an evil conscience, friends, because, that, because of what Jesus did. The, 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 those offerings that were being made by the priests, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, um, ever cleanse the conscience. Now, this is a carrot. Just angle this carrot out very quickly. Man is made up of three things, body, soul, and spirit. In his body, he has a brain, right? It's an organ of the body where he thinks. It's the greatest storehouse that you've ever had or seen. Our cloud and whatever cloud has got nothing on this baby. It stores up everything. It puts everything inside there, which is wonderful. That's what it was designed for. We use it for other things. But anyway, um, so the body, the place where it thinks, it's got the brain. Then you've got the soul, the place where it thinks. is called the mind. And then you have the spirit, 
the place where it thinks is called the conscience. And God's design and plan was always for the conscience to rule and to reign and to speak and declare to the soul, to the mind. And the mind within, because the mind is interacting with the body all the time, the brain. And as the brain, it's feeding the stuff to the brain all the time. The conscience rules. That's why I don't believe in an analytical mind. I don't believe it's biblical. Is because actually the conscience was always the one that was supposed to rule. But when we got born again, we still have got to, and this is for, for the next, we've still got to exercise our conscience because it's been sprinkled clean. But we have to now exercise it so that we can, so it stays clean, so that we can enter into that place, so that we can get grace and, and mercy in our time of need for whatever we need, so that our, our, our prayers uh, can be answered, right? So that we can get what, God's, what, what God wants to give us. So there's this, this, this understanding that this consciousness, and let me, let me throw this out very quickly and say this. So what does the world do? What the world does is it says, no, no, you have a subconscious. When the Bible doesn't talk about that, it just talks about a conscience, right? So what happens is, when you're a believer and you're born again, uh, uh, and, 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 or, um, and you haven't exercised it, it goes sub. It's a submarine. <laughs> you see, and you need your conscience to come to the surface so that it can see and hear. So you see, that's the spirit that wants to see and hear, but it's sub. So what happens? When you go to sleep, when you go to sleep, church, you go and you lie down, your body's, it's, your body's finished by 5 o'clock. So it just wants to have a kip now. Your body is like lacquer. Your soul has been very, very active all day. So your mind is active. And it's, that's why the Bible says we must renew our mind. Has to be a new rewire that sucker. He's just too busy. So then he comes and he says, okay, now, no, I'm going to have a kip. I'm tired. Finished. That's why Jesus says, well, come to me all those who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. I will restore your soul. Your soul needs restoration, healing. It's very, very busy. But guess what? Your spirit man is not tired. He's very excited. So now you're sleeping. And he goes, bing. I'm going to come out of the sub. Woo. And he, began, he begins to do some stuff. Oh, I see some stuff. I'm hearing some stuff. The next minute I wake up, poof, and I go, good grief, I had a dream. I had a vision. What was that all about? I'm landed. Um, your, spirit, your spirit is alive. Your spirit is so active, it so wants to get involved. Your spirit wants to talk to your, your mind all the time. And it wants to send that information to the brain. Man, because it's so excited about what we want to, what we want to step into and walk into. Your brain has thousands of years. It's learned to function simply where? Under the law, your mind. It only knows right and wrong. Do this, you get that. Do this and you don't get that or you get bad. Do bad, get bad. It's living under that all the time. And God wants to redeem us from that. He wants us to live from the conscience, from the spirit, man, which is not about right and wrong. It's about Jesus. He's become our wisdom. Amen. How, how do you, you, we don't learn, 
We don't have spiritual, we don't learn spiritual truths from outcomes. We learn spiritual truths from Jesus. When we pray, if there's the outcome's not right, oh, I prayed for you and uh, it didn't seem to, so maybe God's trying to do something or teach you. Whatever. I don't learn spiritual truths from an outcome. I learn spiritual truths from Jesus Christ. That's why I need to be led in, 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 by the Spirit. Amen. So we've landed. So I close by simply just saying this this morning, that um, there is a new and living way. This new and living way that Christ paid for, that he went before us as a forerunner. He went into the heavenly, the real, not the type on the earth, but the real, the heavenly temple where he sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat so that we could eternally not ever done once a year and continually, that we could eternally now go into the presence of God 24-7 because of what He has done, and we can begin to commune and relate and speak with the Lord, and God is wanting to now commune and speak with us spirit to spirit, right? So that that can now be outworked through our lives, through our souls, and through our bodies. And in these last days, I really do believe that we're going to see the signs, wonders, and miracles. We're going to see answers to prayers like we've never seen before because people have yielded, humbled themselves, um, taken this understanding, and begun to walk in it and stopped letting the enemy with the lies of, of right and wrong and failures and the conscience. And, because the conscience, friends, is, 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 is when you're led by the Spirit versus when your mind is... is, is it, it might go quiet on you for a while, but the minute you go to the Lord in prayer for something, it will wake up. It will start saying, no, no, you can't. You remember last week, you kicked the dog, but hey, you still got you on probation. It starts to talk to you, right? Where God wants to silence all of that and now let Him speak to you. And when He speaks to you, it's all through Jesus Christ, not through anything you've done.